Chapter One They say I'm mad. I'm not. I'm just very, very smart. Too smart for them. I scored so well on their silly little tests, they want to publish my results in a journal. Huh? Don't I get a say in that? Don't I own the copyright on my own madness? They were particularly impressed with my problem-solving abilities, they said. Ironic, really, considering that's what's got me in here. They remind me of laboratory mice, scuttling around in their white coats. Why can't they wear red coats or overalls? That's what I want to know. I asked that the other day, but they wouldn't answer me. Just smiled. They don't answer questions. They ask them. And they don't listen to your answers. They write them down, but they don't listen. They should. They might learn something. The front door was heavy frosted glass with a rusty lock that made it hard to open. Ginny Hawthorne watched patiently as the grey suit struggled with the key, jiggling it this way then that. His smooth, steady patter continued uninterrupted. Built in the 1960s, a landmark in Elizabeth Bay. Boats on the harbour still use the beacon on the roof for navigation. One final click and he had it. He chortled, a thin, insincere sound that barely left his mouth. He opened the door. Ginny ducked under his outstretched arm, wincing at his aftershave. Once she was inside, it took for a moment for her eyes to adjust to the gloom. The foyer was dimly lit and rather dingy, with grey-flecked carpet and beige walls. It may have been an architectural trendsetter in its day, but that was thirty-five years ago. The suit still hadn't drawn breath as he continued his sales pitch, extolling the virtues of the building. He spoke carefully and precisely, enunciating each syllable and looking sideways at Ginny to gauge the effect. Most of the 56 apartments have been renovated and re-renovated on an average every seven years. Clearly no one had bothered with the foyer. It was grey on grey. One forlorn potted palm struggled in a corner. A bank of letterboxes lined a wall, junk mail collecting on the floor beneath them in a messy puddle. A notice board hung next to them with memos about garbage days pinned next to a neighbourhood watch notice about car thefts in the area. Ginny took it all in with one withering glance. This really wasn't suitable. Not at all. She followed suit past the lift and up the narrow stairs to the second floor. His socks were the same shade of dark grey as his highly polished brogues. She watched as the cuff of each leg rode up a little with each step, then bounced back onto the heel of his shoe. They walked along an open-air corridor with a magnificent view of the harbour bridge. Ginny could just make out the top of a couple of the opera house's distinctive white sails peeking through high-rise apartment buildings. Suit stopped at apartment 255 and sorted through his bunch of keys. From your kitchen, you can see the harbour bridge and your lounge room looks out across Rushcutter's Bay. It's a million-dollar view, he said with a flourish. He stood back dramatically with a smile so smug and triumphant, Ginny wanted to turn and flee, just out of spite. She willed herself to hate whatever she saw. As she stepped inside, her first impression was of baby blue. The walls were baby blue, the carpet faded blue, even the doors and cupboards were painted glossy baby blue. It made her feel nauseous. 
A corridor led into a vast, empty lounge room with floor-to-ceiling glass doors opening onto a small balcony. The bay sparkled in the sunlight. Dozens of yachts were moored in neat rows, their halyards tinking on their masts. It was breathtaking. Ginny stepped out onto the balcony. The harbour was bustling with traffic. Water taxis, ferries, sailing boats, all going about their Saturday morning business. In front was Rushcutters Bay, home to some of Sydney's most expensive boats. Surrounding the pretty little bay were dozens of apartment blocks.